Hello and welcome to today's podcast interview. Um, so I'm Phil Wainwright and I've got the pleasure today of talking with Todd Nielsen, CEO of Financial Force. Hello, Todd. Hi, Phil. How are you? Oh, very well, thanks. And thanks for coming all the way over to London to speak to Diginomica today. You bet. I'm happy to be here. Okay, terrific. So and Todd and I today are going to explore a topic that's actually huge for businesses today, um, whether they're product companies or services companies. And it's, it's something called everything as a service, which is a recurring theme that we watch very closely at Diginomica and to the extent that we actually have an acronym for it, XAS, um, where the X obviously stands for everything. Um, so uh, everything as a service, uh, from your perspective, Todd, I mean, how would you define that? Yeah, I, I, I think that what we see is organizations are saying the solutions or the value proposition they offer to their end customers, their end consumers, um, what are the different ways that they can deliver the value and the utility and it may be different ways of packaging, different ways of, of consuming, um, and the experimentation of what's the best way to deliver their value to you know, their end market. Right, okay, so, so the, 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 it's wrapping around other stuff around the, the, the original product or service. Exactly. Right. And it's, it's super important because as, as a customer of that business, you want to make sure that you're receiving the value in the way that's appropriate for mm -hmm. you. And it may not be through just a typical package product offering. And so um, as the, the customers or as the companies explore what are the different ways they can deliver that value, it's an exciting and dynamic time for them. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting trend actually, isn't it? That, that people are not just throwing a product over the wall and saying, oh, here it is, get on with it, Mr. Customer. They're actually saying, oh, what are you trying to do? Can we help with that? How can we modify the product or add things to it so that you can get, get closer to that outcome? Absolutely. And, you know, um, if you look at, you know, typical services organizations, uh, instead of doing a um, time and materials-based project scope, it might be a managed service or it might be a service offering to with a particular project completion or it might be you know a variety of different ways that, that their in customers want to consume their services right yeah um, so uh, now financial force is kind of a bit at the nexus of this trend because you deal with product companies and services companies. So can you say a little bit more about how that's come about? Sure. I, I talk about this phase as being the kind of new services economy. Right. And as organizations are saying, how, how can we be successful in this new services economy and deliver our value? Yeah. I, I feel I feel you mention uh, an article written by Mark Andreessen in 2011 yeah. where he talked about uh, why software is eating the world. Yeah. And, um, you know, at the time it was a provocative article. And these days it's like, well, yes, of course, software is right. taking things over. And now it's about how are services starting to really take things uh, to the next level. And we're seeing in this new services economy things like, you know, Uber or Airbnb or Netflix or a whole bunch of, of disruptive technologies that are delivering value to their end customers in new and, and service-oriented ways. Right, yes. And, and so, uh, so how does Financial Force help a business 
business that's making that kind of transition. Yeah, so our, our focus, our, our product offering is really centered around these new service, uh, services economy organizations. And so, um, you know, in our financial system or our ERP system, which we refer to as customer-centric ERP, um, we've got a lot of capabilities to be able to handle the different types of revenue models and different right. types of, you know, do you, if it's subscription billing or services billing or different approaches. And in fact, one of our customers, JLL in the United States, they um, uh, have a whole bunch of different ideas that the business comes up with for new types of business models. Mm -hmm. And they use our products to be able to say, hey, no problem, we can, we can accommodate that. Where typically what happens is organizations are, are sort of encumbered by the flexibility required um, of the back office. Yeah. And so the business might say, hey, we want to offer such and such as a, as a service. And the you know, back office team might say, well, we can't do that. We can't meet those needs. And JLL has found that um, with our software and our solution, that they're able to you know, meet and say yes to you know, whatever the crazy ideas that the business may come up with as far as new ways of offering uh, services to their constituents. Right, so it's about being able to do like pay as you go or, or having a bill that's got a mixture of, of products and service and, and consumption all in one go. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Right, so I mean, I mean I think this this big shift to kind of blend products and services and delivering this as a service way is, is something that's got big repercussions both for product companies and services companies and, and I think we should come back and, and talk to that about, uh, talk about that in a moment but I just wanted to explore this other mention, thing that you, you mentioned about customer centric mm -hmm. ERP because I think that you know one of the things when we talk about excess as being very core to it is because the customer and the vendor are connected to each other in this kind of, con there's a continuous cycle that goes on that, that you're, you're, you know, as we said, the vendor's engaged in the outcomes that the customer's looking for. So you've got this constant uh, kind of engagement with the customer. You're monitoring what the customer is doing because you're continually collected as you deliver the service or product. And, yep. and then you're seeking to improve what yep. the outcomes are. Um, and, and I think that's why the customer-centric ERP angle is very important. You, you can't do that unless the back office is part of that, can you? Absolutely. You know, one of the things we find from our customers is having the the seamlessness between the front office and the back office mm. is super important. And so um, I talk to CFOs that say having the ability to be able to double click all the way through an invoice to the customer account record is you know a very powerful tool having that level of visibility. And one of the interesting uh, offerings that we've got now centered around our analytics uh, offering is being able to provide predictive analytics as far as which of your customers are likely to a trit as a customer at the next renewal renewal cycle, yeah. and having insider visibility into that allows you to then proactively take some course corrections or some action to ensure you get to keep that customer. And in the new services economy, you know, uh, customer retention is is critical. Well, yeah, and I think that's something, particularly people transitioning from a product background, um, that's kind of quite new to them, isn't it? This because in the past, you, you know, you would ship a product and then you might. Thank <laughs> you. 
contact the customer you know a few years later and see if you know if they're in the market right. for a new product right. but you wouldn't otherwise have that link whereas because you've got that continuous connection and engagement um, you 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 should be checking in and if you're not actually making use of that then you're going to lose out aren't you absolutely and in, in this day of social media and feedback that right. a, a negative customer a negative customer experience can have terrible implications for the the company down the road and so being able to understand and 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 correct those uh, as, as soon as possible is, is key yeah yeah so it's about continuing to earn the customers trust and 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 uh, and, and loyalty absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. there's kind of two trends from different directions a bit of a mouthful but there's uh, servitization of product mm -hmm. and there's productization of services uh -huh. um, so I think you can look at this therefore from the point of view of you know what are the opportunities and challenges for product companies on the one hand and then again for services companies so I mean I know you've got customers in both segments so sure. uh, from a product company point of view what, what do you see as the big issues yeah so you know number one it's just understanding and and having the willingness to experiment um, because there's a lot of ideas that are going to be great and mm -hmm. there are some ideas that are going to be not successful and but being uh, having the courage to try and see what your customers or your constituents want to do is, is is super important and so if you look at um, you know some uh, classic product examples uh, you know dollar shave club um, being able to say hey people are going to need razors how can I provide this sort of razors as a service and yeah. what, what does that you know mean and different ways of how they think about building in the cost structure and the distribution of that product um, another um, example is uh, we have a customer called quench and they're um, a water cooler provider in the US and they offer water as a service Service to organizations, and then they have the sensors to track the, you know, what's the consumption, when does the thing need to be refilled, what's been the, you know, positive or negative customer feedback, how do they respond to that, and, you know, thinking about their delivery of this water cooler as a service is, uh, you know, a, another interesting example. Right. Okay. So it's more about making sure the water never runs out rather it, than just kind of making a delivery every week. It, exactly right. And right. for them, it allows me more cost effective because if, if someone's not using it, I mean, sending a, a service delivery person to refill the water when it doesn't need to be, or yeah. it's not quite there, it's, it's, you know, an expense that they're um, incurring unnecessarily. Right, right, and, and, and therefore it's, a, so that's a great example of a connected product enabling efficiencies from a back office point of view as well as better service to the customer. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then from, from the services point of view, I mean, people don't often so much think about services companies. You know, service as a service, uh -huh. in a sense, doesn't make sense, does it? But I think there are repercussions for how services companies go about delivering their, their Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, the classic old model of just time and material based is really of, of an old model. Now mm -hmm. it's a matter of what type of managed services can I deliver if it's, you know, a health check of diagnostics or... Uh, 
um, some sort of package set of services or pre-configure. This is a common example of, of, you know, our customers are needing to do X, Y, and Z. And so we're going to offer that as a service for a fixed price. Um, there's a, a whole bunch of different opportunities right. that organizations are, are doing. An example is we've got a customer called Sirius Computers out of the U.S. Uh-huh. that um, uh, was historically a classic, you know, VAR or value-added reseller of um, computer hardware. Right. And they realized that services were going to be a key part of their business, and they wanted to offer, you know, managed services and different types of services, and mm-hmm. and are really are you know iterating on the different things that they can uh, deliver to their constituents to provide, you know, a, a great solution. Right. Right. And and so there again, th- having the flexibility to be able to try out new things is is obviously a, a core thing uh, there. Absolutely. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's it's not only the flexibility of the systems, but in, in many ways, it's also the courage to try something. Um, <laughs> because in some cases, you're going to, uh, I mean, the internet is all about let's try and then mm-hmm. fail fast. And if, if, if it doesn't, if it's not successful, don't do it anymore. If it is successful, then do more of it. Yes. And understanding how to, how to get your heads around that is uh, take some time because a lot of folks do the classic old, you know, waterfall method of, oh, this is the path we're going to go and we're yep. going to make it work. And if, if it's, a, if it's the idea is, you know, failed from the, the get-go, it's, you know, more times most not likely to, you know, correct it. Well, uh, yes, I, mean, I, I, I think that the change of mindset is actually equally important that, uh, as the change of technology under, underlying it all, isn't it? So you've got to, you need the technology to enable it, but if you don't have the right mindset to then take advantage of the opportunities and to do things in these new ways, then, then, then you're in a problem. So and I think it's down to vendors like Financial Force and, 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 and other vendors in, in the space to actually help that education program to, to, to help uh, customers understand what the possibilities are, isn't it? Absolutely. We, you know, we talk to our customers about uh, the the standard best practices that we see from you know a variety of, of our customers and say this is an approach that you want to take. And our recommendation is let's you know uh, let's keep this deployment as close to out of the box or as close to the core product offering as possible. Yep. And then if we need to um, shim or make a course correction for a particular unique scenario or use case of that business, we can do it. Right. But, you know, the old model, um, you know, pioneered by, you know, SAP, you know, decades ago was, you know, we'll sell you a lump of clay and then you can mold and customize it to meet your particular specific scenarios. And those systems worked well as long as the business didn't change. But when the business is changing, you know, dynamically every quarter, it became, you know, a burden for those systems to keep up. And and you saw this divide between the front office and back office. And so the new world is really stay as close to the core product as possible and then receive the updates that, you know, your cloud vendors are going to provide a couple of times a year and uh, benefit from the new innovation and new opportunity and, and, you know, all the exciting things that are happening. Yeah. Yeah. So change very much a constant these days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Todd. That's been a fascinating conversation. Um, and I know you've got uh, your community live conference coming up in Las Vegas in, in May. So we'll look forward to hearing more of that there. That's great. We'll see you um, there. And um, so uh, for, for listeners, if you'd like to keep up to date with all things Excess, then simply search for the Excess Effect to sign up for our regular email newsletter. And you can also download our ebook. Uh, that's all for today. I'm Phil Wainwright, and this has been a Diginomica podcast. Thank you.